and welcome to another episode of Stanford Cinema. As always, I'm your host. My name is Andrew. Thank you very much for joining us. We are, we're going to take a little trip back to the 1990s for this episode, but we're also going to take a little trip back to the 1970s for this episode. It's kind of a twofer, if you will. The movie came out in the 90s, but the film itself takes place in the 1970s. And also, it is... All right, all right, all right. I, I, you, I think I think that's say it's all right, all right, all right. I think that's I think that's what I say. I think I think I say this movie is all right, all right, all right. And of <laughs> yeah. course, we are talking about the 1990s cult classic masterpiece, uh, timeless film, Days Confused. And of course, of course, of course, we've got everybody's favorite guest. Mr. Johnny Bones Rowe joining us. Welcome back to the pod, John Rowe. How the hell are you? Long time no see. Oh, thanks very much, man. Thanks for having me back. I'm doing great. Uh, wow. I hope everybody who's hearing my voice right now is doing well as well. And uh, I hope you're doing well. Uh, man, our, our listeners will be able to see the background of your place, but it's looking sharp. It's looking, it's looking nice back there. Are you saying that because behind you you got a poster of Days and Confused? Is that why you, you you want to talk about backgrounds? Are you talking about this old thing? This old thing right here. <laughs> yeah. Uh no, that that's not why, but we can. We can talk about that. But I I just I I wanted to have my poster on my background just so a a reference point uh just in case I need it because this I mean we've already talked about this movie at least once on your channel uh, we sure have. and we will probably talk about it more more again <laughs> we will i mean we're going to do an episode tonight about this film but this is not the the final time we will reference this movie on this can, podcast can, can i can i do can i ask you um only because you're closer to the year because this movie came out in 76 which is yes. i think most americans remember that's our bicentennial year you know, mm-hmm. this the year America became 200, as they say. Uh, you know, what was it like back then? <laughs> I'm not that old. <laughs> what was it? Um, uh, God, that, that takes me back to a line not completely at all related to this movie. But there was this movie in the late 90s called Mars Attacks. And... Uh, who is it? Lucas Haas asked his grandmother something like, "You guys must have been pretty like wild when they." Uh, I forget even what he says, and like grandmother's like, "I'm not that old." Uh, <laughs> but it was like something like super insane, like you guys must have been like uh, blown away when they invented the train or something <laughs> like that. She's like, "What, kid? I'm not that old." Uh, and so I just was, yeah, I was like in Dumb and Dumber whenever Lloyd like loses his wallet, and he goes, "Don't you go dying on me." <laughs> Don't you go die on me. He's like, yeah, I was robbed. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, we landed on the moon. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's a different conversation for a different time. Hey, but, you know, it's early 90s. It is. It is uh, early 90s. It yeah. is early 90s. Yeah. Um, another movie that had a great soundtrack was uh, was Dumb and Dumber. And speaking of soundtracks, because there's no way around it, we've already kind of covered it on this podcast. We've covered many things about this movie on this podcast, but legend has it this movie like shot the majority of its wad just to secure the rights for the songs in this movie not the Mm -hmm. cast not the cast there's no special effects in this movie um 
I think the only special effects was they went down to like Home Depot and grabbed paint, right? Uh, that's about it. That's about it. You know, like everything else was just like kind of on location. Uh, they used like a real teacher, like uh, in a shop class. I mean, you know, they used real people in Austin as like half the like the extras and shit. A couple of the actual actors in this movie were just regular like Austin locals. Um, so, yeah, the budget in this movie really came to securing the rights for the music. So when you look at the fact that this movie had like a six million dollar budget. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The majority of that budget. Went to getting the rights to use Aerosmith and Fog Hat and uh, Ozzy Osbourne and you know what or Black Sabbath rather, um, but maybe we'll get into that a little bit later. I don't know. I don't know. This is just I, gonna. I I hope we do. Well, yeah. because yeah, I hope we do. Uh, but yeah, that's a big part of it. Um, but you know, sometimes we're sports fans. You and I, you know, we we kind of dig into that. And uh, but. Like I kind of look at it as like a, one of those Moneyball people, and you know how this director, you know, got the most for his uh, value, his uh, his dollar. And you, you know, you you mentioned the songs. The opening scene is Aerosmith, and it was probably one of the ones he paid more than any you know any actor for and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, they could have just reached out to me because uh, Stephen Tyler and I, Stephen Tyler and I, you know, we're 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 close buddies. You know? Really? Well, I hadn't met him in '94. I didn't meet him until 2003, so uh, probably wouldn't have worked. But have I? I, uh, I, I think I've shared this story that I've that I met Stephen Tyler and uh, Joe. When Hicks. you're in, when you're in the Navy, uh, yeah, serving, gave, our, serving yeah. our country, and they they decided to give you guys an impromptu show they did and, uh, they did yeah, yeah. It, and i've heard it was better than the show share put on for the navy boys well I, I don't think anybody would really be paying money sees steven tyler in a thong right you know like that was that was kind of the thing that share did right on the yeah yeah but, but people do pay money to, people do pay money. People I mean, they, do they pay. Don't, they, not to see him in the thong but they do see the thong it's they do pay their money. Yeah, but, in fact, you know, it's funny they mentioned that because I think Steven Tyler had a whole music video where he wore less than a thong. He actually just like cupped himself completely naked. Do you remember like the living remember, on the edge? Uh, yeah, yeah. You can't have yourself from falling, living on the edge. Yeah. Edward Furlong. Edward Furlong. It? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Drove yeah. drove that car right into the yeah. that that uh that barrier, you know, going yep. like high speed. Dude, that album, by the way, the the Get a Grip like album by Aerosmith. You know, I know we're talking 70s and Aerosmith is really a 70s band, but, nah, but we're also talking 90s. We are we're talking, also 90s. talking 90s. We are talking 90s. I maintain that Get a Grip is the best album that Aerosmith did. I I, I that might be a hot okay. take. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, but yeah. Get a grip. That's for my money. That's my favorite Aerosmith album. Well, and I hope our listeners tell us in our, you know, in the, in the chat log, you know, I mean, to me, there's big ones, but that's a compilation album, you know? Um, yeah, that's, yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And there are a couple and a few, but uh, man, Living on the Edge was so fun. Yep. Um, but you also had uh, all those Alicia Silver songs. Yeah, Crying oh, and Amazing. Yeah. And, and there was yeah. one other one. How about uh, living in the elevator? Loving oh, yeah. when you're yeah, going yeah, yeah. down. Um, but 
Good, good times, man. Early nineties. Early nineties. What a <laughs> what a time to be alive. Do you remember? Actually, let here we go. Let's take a step back. Do so you obvious, remember? <laughs> that, that's Michael Jackson. Do you remember the time when we when, fell in love? Uh, do you remember the time when we first met, girl? Um, yeah, man, dude, it's been too long. It's been too long. Our conversations always come go completely off the rails when we chat. But we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna see what happens tonight. We're gonna I'm feeling good about this one. And what's gonna be really fun is this episode is gonna come live with minimal editing. So we are pub we are uh recording this on the 21st of September, going live on the 22nd of September. So this is really topical because what is significant right now is the fact that this movie was released. September 24th, 1993. So we are really doing a, let's do the math here, uh, 03, 30, a 30th anniversary episode of Days and Confused. This is a 30th anniversary episode. And we are timing this ever so beautifully, I think. Would you agree, good sir? I concur. I concur. So here it is. We are going to be tackling Days and Confused, which is this 1993 film um, written and directed by Texas's own uh, Richard Linklater, who uh, born and raised in Houston, but obviously has very good like Austin ties. This is a, a film that basically features a really, really large ensemble cast of actors that nobody quite frankly knew when this movie came out, right? And we're going to say the names that that means something now, but we're going to leave. Um, I'll mention the other actors that aren't really so big now, but we're still significant. But the main actors that have gone on to have substantial mm. careers, you've got Ben Affleck. Oh, you've got, yeah. You've got Parker Posey. You've got mm. Matthew McConaughey. You've yeah. got uh, Amelia Jovovich. Uh, Jovovich um, oh, yeah. You know, Joey Lauren Adams, who had a, you know, pretty busy career uh, for a minute. And then you've got other actors like Jason London, which is funny because he's the star of this movie and he's had a respectable career, but um, obviously Ben Affleck and Matthew McConaughey and certainly uh, Milia Jovovich uh, and Parker Posey, they've, their careers have exceeded that of Jason London's, but you also have people like Cole Hauser who was great in this movie and, you know, a great other works that he's done. Uh, Nikki cat has been a lot of things. Uh, Adam Goldberg, not to be mistaken with the other Adam Goldberg from the TV show, The Goldbergs, which is funny because if you've ever watched the TV show, The Goldbergs, Adam Goldberg on that show refers to this other character, somebody named uh, the other Adam Goldberg. And this, my friends, is the other Adam Goldberg um, for those fans of the TV show, The Goldbergs. And if you don't know that show, you should watch it. Really, really funny show about about the 80s. John. Just if you're in a, if you're not into that and you're more into war movies, if you ever saw Saving Private Ryan, he's the guy who's kind of fighting don't, off. Don't, you don't even have to say how it ends. It's like one of the worst scenes in the movie. Okay. But yes, he, he's also in that that film as well. He as is a, as, as more of a warrior type. Yeah, and I I love his character. You know, nothing good ever happens when you start talking about Saving Private Ryan because then I just go into just. Now it's gonna be a different conversation. Now I just want to. <laughs> now, now I just want to be sad for the next. Uh, well, let me bring you back to nineteen. 
Yes, yes, no more. Yeah, no, yeah. It's the bicentennial. I mean, we're out in Nam, so we're not super high on the government, but you know, we've only lost one war in our entire <laughs> career as a yep. country. You know, we're still kind of kicking ass. We do we we're, we're and then we're out of the war as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's true. It, and we have no idea the oil crisis, the eighties is coming up, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, yeah, we are in 1976. Specifically, it's the last day of school Mm -hmm. at this high school and, well, quite frankly, also middle school. It's it's also called Lee High School. Lee High School. Uh, It's a rebel. It's, um, you know. It's just yeah. one of the theme, themes of the film I wanted to point out. Um, it is, yeah, it is one yeah, of the themes, right? Yeah. Um, so plot-wise, as John and I have kind of uh, alluded to, last day of school, uh, and basically the, the next year's crop of seniors are preparing their annual hazing ritual of uh, the incoming freshmen. And there's a couple things going on, specifically our protagonist, our main protagonist, because, it, again, this is an ensemble. So there are a couple, arguably there's a couple protagonists, but our main story arc is played by Randall Pink Floyd, which is obviously, you know, a reference to Pink Floyd. Um, basically, he's a school star football player, and he's been asked to sign a pledge agreement that means he is not going to be taking drugs or doing anything that would that would tarnish the image of the school or put put his career, his high school career in a negative path. Right. And um, now it's summer and the, the seniors are going to go whoop some incoming freshman ass, which we are now um, introduced to one of our other protagonists. But it's not just the dudes, right? The girls are going to do their own form of hazing. So the the the, the senior girls are going to haze the incoming freshman mm-hmm. girls by rounding up in the parking lot and doing mm-hmm. air raids and covering them up in ketchup mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and raw eggs and flour and propose to uh to the, to seniors. But yeah. it's all a day in a life, right? This is a day in a life of the final day of school and absolutely, yep. And a uh, specific time in America. And the movie is about sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Although not a lot of sex in this movie, actually. In fact, I don't think there's any sex in this movie. No. So it's sex, drugs, I, and rock and roll without the sex. Although there's some making out, you know, uh, not even like some heavy petting. It's all well, things considered, the movie's um, pretty clean. Hey, I I've heard it in some ways described as an anti John Hughes film, like whereas I feel like this is is supposed to be have to one like John Hughes shot eighties movies in the eighties. But Linklater shot a 70 movies in the 90s. Okay. And so there's a difference in the way of like shooting something on scene and trying to capture the moment and something different. Mm-hmm. But also I'm thinking about it in the way of like how George R. R. Martin didn't want to write a story, uh, the Game of Thrones uh, writer, uh, didn't want to write a story about the hero who lives. He wanted to write a story about the hero who got his head cut off. And I think this is a movie that's not an 80s movie. You want to kind of write a 90s movie. Uh, And I still I can see differences between this and 
breakfast uh, breakfast company and stuff. You know, it, it's interesting because you can, I I hear it, but I, I don't I don't necessarily agree. Not with you, but the the the, the sentiment because I don't see this as tackling what John Hughes was tackling in the breakfast club or 16 candles or uh weird science or pretty in pink or Ferris Bueller's day off. Um, thematically this where those films were really about, uh, they're just completely different type of film uh, films tackling similar subject matter I don't even think of them as anti anything there. There's ways that art can coexist and be having conversations about similar issues, but still be going about it a completely different way. Um, because the, the strength of this movie and the strength of the, the John Hughes films, they're not, they're not, they're not even the same universe, right? That you can, they both can they can cohabitate they can they can exist you know and i've grown i've i've in my own viewership like i loved all john hughes movies when i saw them at at 8 9 12 14 15 years old and i still love them this is a uh, Days to confuse, and maybe there it'll tap into something about my own personality. Maybe we'll get into a conversation about that. I honestly never really truly appreciated this film until I would argue the past 10 or 15 years. Not because I didn't enjoy this movie, but I haven't I never really appreciated this film until much year much later because on the surface, I feel this movie unfairly and I'm, I'm certainly a critique but on the on the flip side there is the other side of the coin unfairly this movie is pigeonholed into kind of like this this drugs element this movie is about drugs but i also contend that a lot of young people like this movie because it's about drugs but i disregarded this movie because i thought this was kind of what this movie was about and those that appreciate this movie because that's what they think this is about, they're both fucking wrong. Because this movie is not about drugs. Yes, drugs exist. They're a, they're an ever-present element of this movie. But it's not what the film is about. And that's really not – Richard Linklater wasn't trying to tackle a, a narrative about being high. That's not what I think this film is really – trying to get into but you talk to teenagers that watch this movie like yeah i want to watch that because slater gets fucking stoned and he's wearing a pot leaf shirt and every and and pink floyd's like fuck it i don't want to join this football team because i'm not going to say no to drugs you know what i mean like this is what people like latch into but that's not actually what this film's about and it's taken me a little while to kind of really appreciate this film in many ways. And it doesn't mean this movie is any more deep, quite frankly. It's just sometimes people tap into something that is filmmaker is more of a device. And I think the drugs is kind of a device that Linklater is using to kind of explore this moment in time and this moment of these teenagers lives 
but unfairly, people kind of you know um, missed kind of kind of uh, the the angle that the filmmaker was trying to get. No thoughts? Oh, I totally agree. Uh, I think. I mean, since this movie come when this movie was released. No states in America legalized weed. Mm-hmm. It, and then, and now we, what, 14, 18, I don't, I don't know what the numbers are, but uh, either way, it was, uh, it is a bit more taboo back then. Uh, but I mean, it, it is fun. It, I do think, though, like the guy like Slater's son is going to be a lot better, man. <laughs> <laughs> I never get shotgun. Yeah, dude, dude, have you ever seen the movie though? He never gets shotgun. I don't think I've ever never, seen. No, 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 he no. never gets shotgun. <laughs> yeah. Slater never gets shotgun. No, of but course. He, yeah, did I ever see the movie? Come on now. Yes, but, he, but he's slow on the draw. Yeah, but uh, but no, I mean, the, Rory I Cochran mean, is the actor for those it, that also saw a little movie called Empire Records. He was yep. in Love in a Forty Five, and he was a couple other things, but I. I don't even know if Rory Cochran has a career. I don't even know if he's alive anymore. Uh, he got on the, he he got on the CSI. Oh, did like, he? Okay. Yeah, after uh, Empire Records, the short hair, you know, they they go, we can cast him. We can cast mm-hmm. him with the short black. We, we can cast a guy like that. Mm-hmm. You know, put him in a nice lab coat, you know. People, <laughs> a nice lab <laughs> coat? Fuck it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, nah, but he's, dude, but he also, you know, he did uh, that Keanu movie with uh, your girl Winona. Uh, uh which is another link letter film? Um, uh, oh, uh, Scanner, Scanner Darkly. Scanner Darkly, yeah, yeah. Uh, but he, that's a but good he, one. But yeah, but that's another guy where I was like, you know, we're getting off top people, but we're gonna bring it back. But back in the day, I used to think that Slaterson used to be like the coolest, and he was the center star. But no, it's all about Pink. Pink's Pink's the man, and so. Recently, I started watching two different ways through this movie. One, rewatch it with just the note the coaches give, because uh, it goes from dawn to pink. Pink chunks it away, uh, the, the pledge that he will do nothing. So if anybody saw Bullet Train recently, this is a bottle of Fiji water. <laughs> I think that goes. In, but anyways, if you want a fun way to rewatch the movie. Theater. Oh, really? It's a great time. Where was that theater at? You're in Atlanta. Yeah, it was a great time. Man. Oh. Yeah. But uh, but if you want to reweight, because how I have new ways to watch movies, watch that movie with the idea of that piece of paper, because it goes from dawn to pink, from pink and he chunks it. Mel picks it up and then O'Bannon. And this one of my, because we're going to, should we talk, let's talk about Ben Affleck right now, just because to me, it's probably his worst character i've ever like like his by worst like, unlikable yes like yeah. uh, uh most unlikable character yeah yeah because the first thing he says is hey, and you find out later that he failed just to come back but mm-hmm. he, he's like hey you want to go with some ass and then he gets on mel's case for picking up trash and then he's telling <laughs> uh man benny then he goes, uh, hey, I don't have enough gas money. You mind driving? Like, he's just such like the uh, guy who just needs, needs, wants, wants. And he's the older guy coming in. Mm-hmm. He's the, for 
like if we're talking about like drawing up characters, he's one of my first work favorite worst characters i've ever heard of you know and he and that's just it like he was so perfectly despicable right and that's what you wanted out of i always want to come up o'bannon but i think it's like o'banion right like o'banion because there's like uh but he was everything you wanted but that's also like a testament uh to ben affleck right such great actor because he wasn't the original pick the original pick for that role was was Vince Vaughn. Yep. Vince Vaughn was the original pick, right? Yep. You, was there somebody else that you're going to reference? Uh, uh, I heard Vince Vaughn was the two for him and Cole Hauser character, and he missed out on both because he looked too much like Affleck. So Affleck got the one. He would have gotten the two for the Cole H- Benny, but he, you know, Affleck got the one. So. Yeah, I heard one of the things that I read was they just thought that Vince Vaughn, he was great. He was really great, but he was too likable, which is so Vince Vaughn, you know, like, you know, yeah. um, whether whether you agree with Vince Vaughn politically or not, I don't care. Um, but he is, which is funny because of the fact that he's also in his later roles really fucking annoying in some ways. But he's so likable at the same time where Ben Affleck, I think, is just a more rounded actor that understood the type of character that O'Banion really needed to be. Right. Like uh, this is somebody yeah. you don't want to like. You don't want to like him. And yeah. Ben Affleck was able to really capture just that. Just, you know, maybe it comes from his Boston because uh, he he in a poor kid growing up so maybe he was able to tap into just being kind of like elitist asshole and he cool. nailed it like cool. i i'm not going to hide behind the fact that i'm a major ben affleck fucking like uh to use a term the kids use i'm a big ben affleck stan i i love ben affleck i'm a huge ben affleck like uh i'm not gonna say apologist but like i said like i i love watching him i think he was great as even batman Anything Ben Affleck is in, I'm always going to be like, yeah, I'm 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 in it. Um, and seeing him as just an out and out asshole, I think he was fucking perfect. And it's so great because he's so young in this movie. And um, yeah, you fucking hate him. And you're supposed to. You're not supposed to find him kind of endearing, which is something that I think you would find with Vince Vaughn. And then Cole Hauser, just even like Cole Hauser, you're going to kind of like because he's got like this weird kind of voice that he's that he that he's got you know the way that he he, like he's got this accent and you're gonna kind of like him but also kind of hate him because like higher learning's an example of you're not supposed to like cole hauser and higher learning because he plays a skinhead in that movie and yet he's kind of like the smart skinhead in that film you kind of like him in that film which you shouldn't do you mind just right now going over the ben affleck cole hauser movies of the 90s Oh, oh shit! Because you, you're right. I mean, I right, so so you I got mean, this. Uh, you've got Goodwill Hunting as well. Were they both Brent, also Brendan Fraser's? Uh, yeah, were they both also in? Oh shit! Um, what uh, school ties? Yes. Boom. Okay. Yes. Yeah, because I remember Matt. Da- I remember Matt Damon and Brendan Fraser. Yeah, in School Ties, but I wasn't sure if Ben was in that as well. And Cool House, I couldn't quite remember. But, um, but yeah, well, just yeah, but, no one is now. Yeah, but yeah, just you know, just your you know your your uh, your New England kids, right? Yeah, but um, 
Yeah, Ben Affleck, great. Oh, I, you know what? You brought up Ben. You know what? I'll, I'll bring this question up later. This will be one of my like my closing yeah. questions. It'll bring up a debate. Yeah. So anyway, we get into this conversation. Well, this movie, very much just an ensemble. This isn't like a singular plot of a movie of your... Uh, one Day in the Life. We've, we've talked about these life. kind of movies. Yeah, Day in the Life. Yeah. With some good music, some good hits and good tunes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what's important to know is how this movie came to be, right? So Richard Linklater, who basically what happened is he 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 wrote and directed this movie called Slacker. And um it was a big gem in the the indie circuit. And have you ever seen Slacker? No. No. Okay. So this is a movie that takes place in Austin and it's literally just kind of like slacker lifestyle. And uh, basically the studio like Hollywood said, Hey, uh, how would you be interested in, I don't know, uh, making a movie for us. We'll give you a little bit of a budget. Okay. All right. Um, Sure. Why not? So they gave him a budget like $6 million to create a film and kind of a, a payoff, uh, like a pay, you know, and even though the executives never even saw Slacker, they just knew that he was kind of a darling in the festival circuit. So yeah, we'll fucking give you six million dollars to to make your 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 coming of age. Uh, man, I love the I love the nineties. Oh, that sounds so ninety. When they would just trust <laughs> somebody with like a loan yeah. or just you know they just give you something, you know. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And um. And, and, he made, like, and he made this movie? Yeah. With that and six so, million they just gave him six million dollars to make it. Because a movie? he made Slacker. He made Slacker and they said, Oh, we I, we heard about that. That's that you think that was a good movie. Yeah. They didn't see did, it. They just did they just you made, see Slacker? Yeah, yeah. I saw Slacker. Are you kidding me? Do Fuck you, yeah. Do you think it'd be like, I mean, if you're an investor, do you think like, you know what? Let's give this guy six million. I remember them talking about like Lucas and all those guys on the West Coast, you know. Giving a budget to go make movies, six well, million is it a good investment? Well, it, it, it's funny you mention that because of the fact that you take Richard Linklater, right? So Slacker came out. I'm going to say 1990. I'm not. I'm not pulling shit up right now, but like it came out a couple of years before this. And Linklater, this is a purely ensemble, local, like non-actor film, and mm-hmm. he's self-financed. I think he self-financed it. It was like 15 to like 25 grand. Like fifteen thousand to like twenty five thousand. That was yeah. the budget. That was the movie. That's how it came to be. That was Slacker, and it went to Sundance because back in the day, that's you know, I mean, Sundance still matters now. But back in those days, um, they were really like they're they're they still cared about like artists, uh, like discovering that way. Now, like Hollywood will kind of discover artists. Um, maybe don't create something through YouTube, don't whatever. Get, don't get blacklisted, Andrew. I don't want you to speak. No. I don't want you to speak out no. too harshly against Sundance. Okay. No, 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 no. I'm not going to get uh, get canceled. I'm just saying the the industry is a little bit different now than it was then. Like in the '90s, uh, Sundance was kind of like the only festival. Now there are hundreds of festivals. Uh, that exists so the landscape has kind of like changed a little bit obviously um all festivals are great but the sundance in the 90s held a lot of fucking weight and it still holds weight 
just in a different, you know, just in a different stratosphere. So things are a little bit different. But long story short, um, you know, they gave him a studio, gave him a shitload of money to make a movie. And they it was just kind of like, ah, here's six million dollars. Right. They didn't even know the shit. They just knew his name because he did something that was kind of artsy that they never really even researched. And if you know anything about Richard Linklater, he's always been a little bit outside he, he he's not a hollywood filmmaker you know like that's never been his his shtick even though he's made successful films he's made uh oscar winning films and he's been an iconic filmmaker but he's done it on his own terms by and large uh so over his I, career i always thought i had this like theory going in my mind you know how like um Kurt kind of called out Eddie for being maybe mainstream one time. Mm -hmm. I kind of feel like Rich and Wes Anderson as Texas artists never Mm -hmm. want to, you know, maybe they had like this idea, like, I don't want to be mainstream. I don't know. Thoughts? I never, I've never analyzed it like that. Um, They are both, um, filmmakers that you know got their their by and large their start in in texas one uh, if we look at them like as them in texans and we just apply it to all texans they're good at music like me of course (laughs) 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 they they like movies me Mm -hmm. of course yeah yeah they they like what wearing southwestern (laughs) uh pearl snap button downs like like me Uh, don't mind the rain (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah. yeah, I mean, so he creates this movie, you know, and Wes Anderson, obviously a fantastic filmmaker in his own right. But this movie is just obviously just done things a little bit different. But when we think of this movie and we think of its significance and why it's resonated, do we objectively, do we appreciate this movie for the right reasons? Do we appreciate this movie because uh topics discussed in the film do we appreciate this movie because of the careers this movie launched or do we appreciate Hmm. this movie for what the film was really trying to say and yeah a lot of man well i appreciate it because really it reminds me of kind of what it was like growing up in high school and i think a lot of people in america in my generation, can't remember what it was like back then. Um, well, nobody in your generation of, should remember what it's like in the seventies. I mean, these are about like these are these sure, are. But t- tell me, how many how many people did you go to high school with who had a cell phone? Because you're closer. The day you graduated, you're closer to this class than you are to this next upcoming class who's about to graduate. Yeah, no. Um, when I graduated high school, there may have been there may have been somebody that had a cell phone may have. Um, when I think about the magic of this movie, I think. I'm like, when I watch it go, well, that's more like when I was growing up the same way I watch uh, the Christmas story with Ralphie. I don't know what it's like growing up in the 50s. Yeah, but I can still go. I don't know what it's going on like today, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I can identify with the fifties more than I, 
And the same with this movie. So, you know, John, you bring up a good point because really, you know, this movie does tap into that that feeling of of specifically being in high school. And this movie, even though I necessarily didn't have a uh, a cell phone per se, most people in my generation didn't. They existed. I think that they existed more in kind of like a car cell phone perspective, like. Uh, like the old back in the day, there was a thing called like a car phone. My mom had like a car phone and some people had like uh, a phone. We didn't call it really a cellular phone. It was like, like a bag phone. Somebody would like have like, like it was almost like a backpack that had like phone capability. Right. But that was so far out of the realm, but within my generation. And I think why this movie and why many high school films connect is they're tapping into specifically what it's like to be to be of that age and being of that age, whether maybe it wouldn't necessarily resonate in the 1670s in the same way the 1970s do. But most teenagers can connect with other teenagers, which is why there are uh, reasons why The Breakfast Club even today still resonates with teenagers now. And why Days Confused, which is a movie that was made in the 90s, takes place in the 70s, still connects with people in the 2020s, right? Um, Even though when you look at it, like, well, 1976 is fucking approaching 50 years ago, we're not that far removed. We may have made massive technological advances, sure, but we still tackle the same issues that we tackled then, which is relationships with family, relationships with authority, relationships with our community, relationships with, you know, um, you know, our, uh, our own peers, right? Because I mean, this is a movie that doesn't really have a true antagonist, except for just different forces of antagonism as a whole, right? There's no like O'Banion technically is a is an asshole but he's not the villain of the film right he's not the villain of the film you know he's you know um you know pink's villain if you will is his coach that makes him want to sign a pledge right um you know you you take adam goldberg and anthony rapp you know they're they're talking about social issues going on in the day and anthony you know anthony rapp uh and um uh, Adam Goldberg, you know, they're they're talking politics. Adam Goldberg, he just wants to dance. You know, he gets in a fight uh, with a guy because, he, you know, he's like, well, most fights get broken up, right? But uh, Nikki Cat, who beats his ass in that in that scene, he's not really about, uh, a true villain. He just wants to drink some beer, right? Uh, that's his main thing that he wants to, you know, there, there's no real villain. It's just a, just these different little forces of antagonism that we have. Even is it Mitch? Is Mitch our hero? Well, like our like our incoming freshman. Is it Mitch? Is that his name? Uh, our incoming uh, freshman or Wiley? Uh, yeah, no, Wiley. Mitch. Yeah, Mitch. Mitch yeah. is the guy. But I mean, Brandon Pete Floyd is the man. You know, he's. You know, uh, and I agree with everything you just said. Um, you know, to me, I, I once again I look at through the hero's journey. Mm. And he's trying to bring Mitch along 
and he's introducing him to all Mitch's friends uh, or and all his buddies. And uh, but to me, like a part of his journey, uh, Randall Pink's is the we smoking is the island of the lotus eaters you know the people who just and whenever the head coach is like real big floyd don't think you haven't seen that crowd you've been running with you need an attitude trade for next season (laughs) (laughs) but then slaterson slaterson is the biggest center of all time just goes hey mr conrad you remember Remember me me? from pd (laughs) yeah he he doesn't even call him coach conrad (laughs) hey hey, oh maybe he does but uh but the the whole story focused around pink and it's fun to me i think of him as a uh prism uh gemstone that everything circulates around and in one he's the head quarterback and the head quarterbacks are super cool in texas believe it or not they they get some privilege but the first guy he knows is the guy who sells weed and that's the coolest dude in town that he hangs out with he's got the hottest girl believe it or not head quarterback of town and he walks in but the store just follows everybody and we talked about the music on another pod, but what's fun about the music is how each scene supports the scene, or each music supports the scene that's going on, uh, which is super fun, you know? Yeah. I we're, we're bringing this up, and I'm trying to think of the, because we, we think of the the funny moments in in this movie and we we think of all these iconic lines in the movie but the most i think really truthfully the the most important impactful scene does take place on the football field at the end and it's a beautiful monologue and uh but i'm trying to remember it because it isn't done by pink and it's not done by uh you want me to give it a go pardon me you want me to give it a go yeah give it a go yeah yeah yeah. Well, it's not even Wooderson. It's not, it's, it's not, uh, but let's see. Hold on. Go for it. Are you, well, Wooderson goes, hey, man, same shit. They try to get me to fall back in my day. The older I get, the more rules they're going to try to get you to follow. You just got to keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. It's a good one. I love it. Um, but I think it's, I think, I think it's the, um, and by the way, that, that's a great, that's like an iconic line that everybody talks about, but I'm thinking, uh, is it Dawson? Um, oh, oh, shoot. Yeah. Dawson, dude. Oh, dude. Dawson. Uh, because the best, that's, that's the line, right? Dude, we have all, every, yeah. Everybody talks about Matthew McConaughey's quotes because he's got great quotes. Right. And everybody yeah. talks about Slater, like, you know, like never get shotgun. Be a lot cooler if you did, you know, things like that. Like just, well, no, that's Matthew yeah. McConaughey line, but like everybody, you know, there are all these great lines, but it's Dawson, right? Uh, played by Sasha Jensen, I think. Um, he was in shit. What was yeah. it? He was he was in uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But he's like, all I'm saying is, <laughs> yeah. I want to look back yeah, and yeah, say that I did dude, I did the best, best I, could I could when I was stuck in this place. Had as much fun as I, as I could while I was stuck in this place. Played as hard as I hard could as I while could, I was stuck in this place. Hogged as many girls when I was stuck in this place. Right. Yeah. And that's that's really 
what at the core what this movie is all about being a teenager right is when i look back i want to say that i did the best i could when i was a teenager you know like uh i had as much fun as i could when i was a teenager you know i i i play i lived as hard i played as hard as i could fucked as many girls as i could like or you know whatever but that's that at its core is really the the most pivotal and for my money for my money what this movie really is is about of capturing that moment that essence of being a teenager right you know when you look yeah. back right smoking a uh, j on the 50 yard line exactly right yeah. the the old glory days if you will from like a little uh bruce spring uh bruce springsteen is that his name i'm like i'm like is that the guy bruce are you saying are you saying the boss the boss yeah yeah, yeah. from new um, jersey yeah 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 but i'm like wait sting, is it spring? Sting, like, sting. yeah bruce springs yes sting. Is it bruce? like yeah. frodo's sword that he yeah. pulls out um, when he kills it's funny, the, like, <laughs> the fucking boss but i'm like bruce like springfield uh, no that's the other guy that's jesse's girl springsteen um but yeah that's uh, at a core at, as far as i'm concerned that's really what this movie and so when he's like Dawson is saying, well, all I'm saying is that I want like, no, that's that's what Richard Linklater is saying is we're I'm trying to capture this moment, you know, mm -hmm. like, so you take yeah. these people in this moment. Yeah, they're trying to be the kid at that moment in this place. Right. Yep. I think yep. that's that's the thesis of this film. It's not, you know, L-I-V-I-L, uh, uh, you know, like and all that is great stuff. Those are the things we talk about. But. I think what the movie is really capturing is that is that line that Dawson is saying that often gets kind of overlooked until somebody says it like, oh, yeah, that's a great fucking line. Yeah, it's a great line, because that, I think, is the thesis of everything you just watch over the past 90 minutes. And, uh, and it, what's funny is most of that monologue that he's saying, it's like off camera. We're watching Pink. We're watching yeah. Pink and his reaction. Yeah. yeah. And he our hero isn't the one saying that line. It's yeah. his buddy with like the, the monobrow, right? That yeah. has like the overalls. He's yeah. the one that's delivering the pivotal line in the film. Yeah. 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 What would have seen would have been who his old college or high school teammate arrested him or was letting him through the bars. You know, hey, don't be mad at me because you didn't get all districts. <laughs> you know, like, uh, that's kind of small town shit we talk about around, you know, these parts. Uh, but, uh, man, the movie's not about that. Either. The movie's about, and you're, you're right, though, like, the the movie's just about not caring. It's, a, it's about having a good time, at least mm -hmm. in my opinion. It's mm -hmm. it, uh, the the whole idea to me is like how even the once again if you fall around the piece of paper that the coach handed it out because they the coach is the villain and uh, at the end of the film when he wrinkles it up and he throws it in his face and the coach the coach said don't think I haven't seen that other crowd you've been running with. So he's got Slaterson, who's another dude. He's got Wooderson, who's the older dude. You know, he he's already been taking care of Mitch. Uh, you know, Randall Pink Floyd doesn't give a shit about being a quarterback. He he cares about getting out of that town. And 
one thing I, I do want to point out before we get off this air, because it, it we may soon. One of my favorite things is watching all the other older classmen walk Mitch through everything. You know, like when they're climbing up the moon tower, you know, they're looking at me going, watch your head, junior. Why are they cooler with Mitch? Is it because he he took his licks? You know, is it because he took his licks? Is it because his sister yeah. was the the cute one? You know, like, is uh, it? We be- got to talk about his sister for a little bit. His sister was pretty fantastic. What was uh, that? Uh, Burke? What's her name? The... The actress's name? I don't. Uh, I don't remember her name. Uh, uh, Mitch's sister. Uh, I Michelle know. Burke. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I don't. Yeah. I don't, yeah. Well, it is a part of it. But you had older sisters, and yeah. if your older sisters had told some people, "Hey, take it easy on my old, my younger brother," what do you think those guys would have done to you back well, in you Bermuda? Know- well, I mean, even in even in Florida, and this is where I think we 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 take a slight little segue because you recently like uh, did like kind of like a little friends thing as far as like oh who you would be in the film da 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 like when I watch this movie, I honestly when I think of who of these people who am I, I think of my, I honestly I think of myself as Mitch. Because I I was an incoming freshman and wow. my my okay. sister my sister was well I have two sisters but my my immediate next closest sister was a fr- uh, was a senior mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. when I was coming in you know like there was all this this baggage of like all of her friends knowing who I was and and early into my freshman year my sister for lack of a better term. And uh, uh, my other sister, my other sister is a, a fan of the podcast. Hey, Chrissy. Um, my What's my, up, sister, Chrissy? <laughs> my sister Rebecca was jettisoned back home to the island of Bermuda. We were living in Florida, and my sister Rebecca got into a little, you know, just teenager trouble. Nothing substantial. Just you know, got in with a crowd and got in with a dude that just wasn't great. And my mom kind of like jettisoned her back to Bermuda. And and so when my sister is in Bermuda, like all of her her people are using me as kind of like this weird like surrogate, like, hey, what's going on with your sister? Or you are the new you're the new Rebecca kind of like vibe and everything. So Mm -hmm. I when I saw this movie my sophomore year, I this is where I connected, but also where I divorce myself from this film because I didn't like Mitch. Uh, I don't like Mitch in this movie as a character. No, you're not Mitch. But this is what I'm talking about as far as the emotional like, oh, I I, I relate Uh, having having the older sister in this film. Uh, Quite frankly, I don't like any of the incoming freshmen at all. At all. I don't like any of them. Um, But, you know, I don't think you're really supposed to latch. I think you're supposed to like Mitch. But I think it's a. I think unfortunately, it's a fault of the well, actor. But he let, wasn't. He wasn't a an actor in the truest sense. I, I just don't think he captured, especially because he's wiping his kind of like face the entire movie. Like he has his hand over his face like half the film, which is kind of annoying. But I connected with his character as an incoming freshman with a older sister, and his older sister was kind of. Um, 
key cog within the the social circle. So my sister and I shared similar friends when I was growing up and I was kind of like in her shadow to an extent, if that makes some type of sense until, you know, um, until I got a little bit older and I was able to establish that I am my own person, much as Mitch does so, over the course yeah, of this. Film. Absolutely. You, yeah, absolutely. So that cheers to so, me for nailing yeah. that. Yeah, dude. That makes a lot of sense. Dad, I have an older sister. I had an older sister who went to high school, uh, but I also had an older brother. But my older brother used to like grab my head and show it in dog shit saying, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, thank you. Thank you for that. Ladies and gentlemen, it's always a treat when John and I get together. But yeah, I think this movie does a great job of tapping into uh the that that connective tissue, if you will. So um yeah here we are you know we are in the 1990s obviously which this movie you know a lot of films when this movie came out music was a big thing obviously yeah we had you know we've we've we've, we you and i even even what's that hawk guy (laughs) what kind of people could we put in this film what kind of people do they put in this film? Wait, what? Yeah. Which which kind of actors would you want to put in this film that they didn't have? You know what I'm talking oh, about? That's, it's, it's really funny that you mentioned that because of the fact that, I mean, I think the cast was fantastic, but there were a lot of people that did audition for this movie that didn't get it, right? And You, you really? Like, really, really, really. Um, so, for example, according to Richard Linklater, like the best person that auditioned for this film was a little actress that is very one of my absolute favorites little actress by the name of claire danes she auditioned for this film she did not get it not because she wasn't a good actress in fact richard link later said that she was far and away like the most talented person that auditioned she was just too young for the film and when you put it in perspective yeah she would have been uh maybe a, a year or two younger than probably mitch's character and so just wasn't just wasn't right but that she she had it you know she had the it factor which claire danes obviously has the it factor uh yeah oh she out she out acted mitch all day yeah well yeah absolutely savannah so like they they were good but Mm -hmm. yeah clear all right but who else who else i'm Uh, dying to know Who, who else didn't make the list well, another little actress by uh, a little actress as in stature, because she's not a very tall actress, but Reese Witherspoon also auditioned for this film and they loved her. They loved her. She was not, she was great. She's not tall. Oh, no, no. She's like she's like five feet. Yeah, she's she's itty bitty. Um, well, but, good for, well, that's tough. That's tough. 
But that's not why she didn't get cast. She didn't cast because Jason London, who had previously worked with her on a movie called Man in the Moon, not to be mistaken with Man on the Moon, the Jim Carrey film, but Man in the Moon, uh, which is a movie mm-hmm. about uh, Reese Witherspoon. She plays like a little farm girl and Jason London uh, is like a farm boy and he gets run over by a tractor in the movie. But um, Jason you know, was cast relatively early and he kind of said, eh, maybe, maybe not her. And I don't think it had anything to do with acting. I don't think it was necessarily politics, but I think Jason's like, I just did a movie. I don't want to be typecast with this actress again. Maybe she's a little bit young, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so Reese Witherspoon did not get that gig, although she was also uh, well-received in it. Well- and every- myriad of other actors and actresses uh auditioned for it i already mentioned vince vaughn uh, uh, i'm curious not not counting jason london and matthew mcconaughey who's your favorite actor in this film my favorite actor in this film or, or um, actress or, or portrayal i mean parker posey kills it of yeah course. no i mean my favorite my and, favorite performance been, yeah my favorite other than, perf- other than yeah yeah. So if we take Matthew McConaughey and Ben Affleck out of the equation, my favorite performance is Parker Posey. She she is just a she's a jewel and she's just a, a jewel and I love everything she's ever done and loved her. Loved her in this. Um Am I forgetting anybody? No. Um, I think everybody else was fine. You know, I think Sasha Jensen, uh, I'm a big fan of as well. That was Dawson. Um, I, when you, when you, do you remember when you first saw this film? I do. I do. Mm-hmm. And do you, was it how early in the, uh, Billy Jovanovich era was it? <laughs> uh, so it was pretty early, you know, like she was, she was a model, you know, people knew her name. People loved her in this movie, which is really funny because I think she has only one line in the movie. Like she's given a lot of like accolades for being in this movie. But if you check the tape, she doesn't fucking say anything. She kind of uh, speaks a, a song in the film like a little bit. But oh, no. yeah, but she's <laughs> she's virtually cut out. She's virtually cut out of this movie. She's got a lot of screen time, but she doesn't say anything. It's really, really fascinating. Like if like if if you're like, wait, I, I don't remember that. Dude, if you're watch, if you're listening to this podcast right now and you're like, I remember her in the movie. Yeah. Tell me one of the lines she says in this film. That's actually a line and not like a, yeah, let's go or something like that. You know, like kind of like a throw. I think she has like a throwaway line in the movie, but she doesn't have any dialogue in the movie she's in the film a lot but apparently uh richard linklater you know he filmed a lot of stuff but she just didn't have the it factor as far as like the delivery or whatnot but visual candy she was a beautiful actress and so she was in the film but originally her role was going to have a lot uh her boyfriend's uh i forget his name he's in the film anderson is that it I think it is. Maybe, but maybe, maybe. Yeah. My um, thought, my thought though, is like I, I know not a lot of our listeners have ever, ever done drugs. 
But a lot of times, some of them have pretty girlfriends, you know, sometimes they're hanging out with. And I felt like that was one of the intros of the film where the guy's pulling up with a cool car. And I actually want to talk about Miss Pickford, by the way, because I think the Pickford residence kind of, you know, that's the whole scene. Because, like, like they give their kid the coolest car. Yeah, Pickford. He's buying Reed. Man, he's got the hottest chick in the fucking world. He's just cruising through. And like the opening scene is him just riding this thing. Oh, no, I'm just cruising, dude. He's going to have the whole party at his house. He's got tra- Dude, his mom's a trophy wife. Only because, like, what I love is when they walk up and they go, Hey, did you get good grades, boys? <laughs> he starts and goes, <laughs> Straight A's. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Mr. Pickford. It's like, uh, unpack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But he went a dumb dude. Uh, but anyways, uh, I don't want to talk about the Pickfords for a minute. But Miss Pickford, I'm just saying. Bit of a Betty, huh? I, you know, uh, in, 70, in 76, <laughs> before, before, you not know, a bad cell mom. phones. Yeah, not a bad mom. Yeah, but yeah, so... Uh, you mentioned like Pickford. Yeah. So he apparently had a larger role and granted he has a pretty substantial role, but that's supposed to be like Pink's best friend. Uh, from my research, apparently they did not see eye to eye and there might've been like a little squabble on the set. Uh, so, well, my research, uh, Linkletter put them up all on the Radisson. No, my guessing is the Radisson down by where the bass flew and stuff like that. Yeah. And, uh, but, Honestly, I think Linkletter took this one out of the Coppola book for the Outsiders, mm-hmm. and uh, where you kind of like put people in kind of their places, and you know him and Mealy, you know they hit it off, and they they began their own couples paradise, and uh, everybody else kind of hit it the other way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that that was my whole thing with that dude because that dude was cool as shit, and it was so fun to see him. And the way he had his whole room set up, and and honestly, if you ever want to smoke room and like uh, watch the movie, because <laughs> the way he locks it, locks the door with the pitchfork, and then he has the aerosol, he sprays it on yep. down. Yeah. Anyway, it's just uh, if you're 16 and you're thinking about it, watch the movie. Yeah. Before we continue, uh, we had just mentioned some cast members of people that you know that were in this movie um people that weren't in this movie you know there is somebody that was in this movie that wasn't also in this movie and i mentioned that because it was just quite frankly an extra it's probably the most famous extra in the sense that this person didn't have anything to say she was in fact just an extra in this movie but went on to i don't know win an oscar or two um who's been a pretty iconic actress in her own right and that is another Texan uh, native. Do you have, you know who I'm talking about? Oh, unless it's Renee Zellweger. Yes, but exactly. Renee Zellweger. This? No way. She's in this movie. I thought she didn't make this movie. She's in this movie. She's in the wow. hazing scene. And then she walks right by Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Uh, when oh, she's, the- The, she's the girl who walks by. Well, I have a lot to say about that scene, by the way. Because okay. that, that's a, probably the second coolest scene in the entire movie. 
You're talking about like at the like the pool, the pool place, right? Yeah, I'm talking yeah. about the uncomfortable scene where he walks up and says, you know, how that's what I like about these high school girls. You know, when I get older, it, they say they the, same. the same. It's such an iconic um, line. Yeah. And now we're in this different like age, and it's like, ooh, that's a dirty line. It's a dirty yeah. line now. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It wasn't. It wasn't when we were younger. It was kind of, kind of funny, and now yeah. it's like, ooh, that's kind of creepy, Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Well, but if you watch the scene too, there's the other dudes. Like one Don. Like they're all looking up to him. That's the other thing about McConaughey. He's never changed that role. Like that's who he is. Mm-hmm. Same way uh, Tony Stark is still, uh, you know, Robert Downey Jr. You know, they've all. But uh, man, but Don goes, <laughs> you're gonna get arrested one day. <laughs> <laughs> but if you look at Pink, honestly, it's one of my favorite scenes. It took me like 30 times to watch the movie. He has this, he has this one hitter on his belt that he takes off. He pops it off in that scene, and he hits it, and then he smokes it, and then he just, <laughs> you know, and just laughs it. And then Mitch is the other guy on the back end. You know, but it's the four guys, you know, mm-hmm. and is the thing is to me, the scene where one of the big scenes is where like Mitch gets his ass whacked. Yeah. And, and Pink is driving him home and he goes, oh, they got me good one day. So from that, from that point on, from the film, it's all about Pink showing Mitch the reins mm-hmm. and going, you're going to be the next guy, you know, you're going to be the next hero. Uh, yeah, I mean it, it's a little it's a little like biased and well, not biased, but it's a little like misconstrued because because uh, Pink was trying to fuck Mitch's sister as well. Well, he was also no, dating. No, you're wrong. Mitch's sister is trying to fuck him. Yeah, but he was into it. He was he <laughs> was into it. He was into it. Wanted to go further. He's he's a what a seventeen year old man? Is he? <laughs> what's he not going to be into, dude? And if anybody saw the earlier scene in the film with Shaban, uh, she like Mitch's sister called. I mean, here, girlfriend here's the thing. Lord. Like, all right, let's be real. Mitch's sister, Joey <laughs> Lauren Adams. Who are you going for? I'm still going with Mitch's sister personally. Yeah, yeah, Bert or Bart or. Yeah, Bert. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. but it's the denim. I think it, I it's think the denim. It, it's, it's the denim. The, yeah, on. yeah. <laughs> she looked good in those bell bottoms. Yeah, yeah. But I'm a sucker for brunettes. What's uh, to me is the uh, authenticity. Is I heard Lee Clare let him like everybody over the age of 21 drink beer, and I got a feeling in that scene they were all house. They're all drunk <laughs> <as> shit. <laughs> They're all yeah. fucking house. Dude, that's one my favorite scene though, in who who do I identify with? It's Cole Hauser's character is Benny. <laughs> and especially the scene where he gets to go to get up and then just sits Oh, and he's, just like, he's like, he's <laughs> like, can't do it. Can't do it. And he's like, I'm gonna do my best not to throw up. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, been Benny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. But have you ever thought about? So we meet a couple of Randall Pink's friends. Who are they on the football team? Uh, do you know who? What's, what position does Dom play? What position does Benny play? Mel, you know? Um, O'Banion, definitely offensive line. Yeah. Um, I think. 
Don, what, the running back? Um, I can see that. Receiver, running back. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe, yeah, maybe a lineman. Tackle. Tackle. Yeah. Tackle. You yeah. and me, you and me, bro. Yeah. Like, I don't, I honestly, I don't buy Pink really as a quarterback, but for the sake of this film, yeah, he's a quarterback. But none of them, quite frankly, are fucking football players. They're not. They're not, you know, these are. Cole Hauser could play. Cole Hauser, maybe. Cole Hauser, yeah. maybe. Don, maybe. You know, uh, Ben Affleck, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Pink, nah. yeah. Yeah. But, Pink, nah. Not, but, a, not a football player. Honestly, I, I don't know if you might be blinded by the light, only because I think you're you're a forward, and uh, I think Pink's a forward, and I I I know a lot of pretty boys just like Pink, and I really identify with the quarterback just like Pink, a guy who's super cool, and I think the whole film is about how he doesn't want to accept, you know, uh, the rules about next year. You know, he's got all the talent. Dude, you know, here's the thing. Like, it, it's, I'm sorry if this is a hot take. I don't like Pink. I don't, I don't like him. No. Um, you don't, I don't like di- Pink? I don't dislike him, but he's not my, like, for me, he's arguably, arguably the least interesting person in this film. Um, but it is I, arguably. You know, I, I, I I think all of the other people in this film, but I also think that is potentially an acting thing. I think, I I just don't think Jason London is a really great actor. Not that he's bad, but there were so many other great talents around him, you know, and we're not even talking about uh, Ben Affleck or Matthew McConaughey or Parker Posey, who quite frankly, they steal their scenes. You know, every time they're in the same scene as Jason London, they're better than him. But even some of the supporting performances, I, again, I go back to Sasha Jensen, who's like, come on, come on, let's go. You know, uh, he, <laughs> he's, he's so much better hey, hey. and care. Yeah. You know, you don't, you know, the scene I'm talking about, oh. he's so much more captivating and interesting. Um, his performance, you know, he, he makes you laugh and it's not because uh, pink is kind of the, uh, to use the term the straight man where he doesn't have any of the good lines. No, it, you know, his like, even his like crumple up the note kind of throw, it could have hit a little bit harder. It wasn't bad. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't do, bad. Do you, do you not see him as a green knight journey? Like the, like how he is tempted by Mitch's sister at some point, you know, I, 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 I see him as the green knight. I think he gets, I, I think, I think he gets the, I think, I think, let me, let me, uh, let me choose my words carefully. He is given a gift fucking horse throughout this whole film of really great stuff to do. And he just takes the most granola approach in his delivery and his performance, his character, quite frankly, he's the one that we're really supposed to be tracking, but inherently he doesn't, for my money, he doesn't do anything that he doesn't take that role by the to use another like just mixed metaphors uh, to use a sock. He doesn't take it by the scruff of the neck and like, <laughs> I'm going to make I'm going to make fucking Pink Floyd my character in the way that Ben Affleck makes O'Banion his character or the way that 
um, Sasha Jensen uh, turns his character into his or in the way that uh, Rory Cochran fucking owns Slater or, you know, like these these sub characters really like, dude, I'm going to steal every fucking scene I'm in. I'm not the hero. I'm going to own this. And there's nothing wrong with being the straight man, right? Like Steve Martin in most films is the straight man. You know, he uh, will have these like zany outbursts but he owns those zany outbursts. Chevy Chase plays a straight man in most of his stuff, but when he when he goes crazy, he's the most interesting person on screen. At no time is Jason London, when he's on camera, the most interesting person that we're tracking. And and I think that's a problem with your your hero. And maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm not. But that is my my vibe because we are supposed to we are supposed to be like I'm gonna go get you know Aerosmith tickets with my buddy. Was it Aerosmith? Wait, wait. Yeah, they were gonna go get Aerosmith tickets, it right? Was, it was Aerosmith. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I had yeah. to like check myself. I'm like, wait, no. Well, was as far yeah. as they had to drive down to Houston to buy ones for Dallas, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But most important thing in the summer. Yeah, it was the most important thing. And that line for me, uh, you know, like I, I feel that, it, should that, have, it, it should have connected a little bit more. What I can say is Jason London at his late teens to mid 20s, handsome guy, had the face for a lead. But I feel that he he just didn't connect. But it's OK for a Richard Linklater film. It's very, very kind of uh, raw you're not really more times than not going for um, Ethan Hawke caliber, really introspective, like acting, you know, like um, which Richard Linklater has worked with Ethan Hawke for four or five times at this point in his career. Um, By the way, the, the before trilogy is fantastic. And then he did boy, and mm-hmm. he did another movie with Ethan Hawke that is escaping me right now. But um, well, they're, they're Texas guys. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. we like to work together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, he's you know a, what? Hey, I'm hey. a I'm a I'm an adopted Texan son. That's what I you, know. You're still Texas. I know yeah. you now live technically in Georgia longer. Yeah, you know, but as we've covered I, on this podcast is it wasn't until my mid 30s before I, I I discovered home and Austin is and forever will be that home. Um, well, the magic. Can I just speak to the magic of this film for a second? Yeah. And that's what we should talk. Let's let's, let's just do that. It's the idea of when I was in high school uh, and I know we got shot around here. My aunt who grew up in Huntsville, which is an hour north of. Houston, she said, Oh, my family was out there. Yeah, it was all about my family standing down. That's the way my aunt talks. But like <laughs> everybody, everybody in Texas could identify with this film. But as it grew, everybody who I met, they found out who I was from Texas. They also would be like, Hey, I'm from Minnesota. Man, you ever see Days and Confused? I'm from, uh, you know, Nevada. I don't give a shit. Uh, but uh, this movie, the greatness of it is it's a small town film. And I think everybody can identify with going up in an area like this. Yeah. You know, I think that's a good point because of the fact 
This movie obviously is filmed in Texan, Texan in Texas. Obviously, it's filmed in Texas. Yeah, you're a Texan. It's in Texas. Yes, I do not think of this movie as a Texan film. I don't. I don't. This yeah, is an American no, right. film. Yeah. You know, like so. Where there are movies, I'm like, oh yeah, that movie is definitely Texas, right? This isn't. Um, this isn't that. You know, yeah. you can be a Texan, like, oh, yeah, you can identify with it, but you can be from Nevada. You can be from North Dakota. You can be from Wyoming. You can be from Florida, God forbid, and still, uh, like, connect with this movie. Um, sorry, I'm just laughing at my own uh, fuck you Florida joke. But um, you guys are good fuck you Florida jokes. Can I hear well, some? I'm no, going to hear I, some. No, 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 I'm just saying, oh, I just said, God forbid, God forbid. Um, You know, in Florida, Florida, Florida's great, you know. um, I I believe in you, Florida, survive. You survive, okay? Yeah, yeah. you know, Florida's great. You know, uh, if for the fact that there's, you know, like 20 fucking 5 million Floridians, get rid of them and Florida be an amazing place. It's a looking state. It looks like a gizzard for turkey. It, it's a dick pissing on Cuba is what Florida is. That's what Florida is. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, but, um, Florida, Florida Indians. <laughs> what, listen, what do they call them these days? What do they call what? In, what? Uh, Floridians. What do they call them these days? Yeah. Floridians? Yeah, Flor- yeah, yeah. If you're from Florida, you, they call you a Floridian. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Hey, uh, who's your favorite character in this movie, by the way? Ooh, my like, favorite. Is it, yeah, like, or who, you know, no, who's Parker best Posey. Parker yeah. Posey, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did, she remind, you, did uh, she remind you of a sister? Or? Nope, Mm-mm. doesn't remind me of anybody. It's just, even when I saw this movie before I knew who Parker Posey would be, yeah. I... Uh, chops, man, just chops. I just yeah. knew that she has one of my favorite lines. What that face, what that <laughs> smile of your face, bitch. She, she is so good. She is hey, so she great. She is that high school like girl who's about to be the senior, yes, about to run the whole and just wants to make everybody's life. Like just there are some people that just want to watch the burn yeah. world burn, and that's yeah. her, and she's so great, and she does it with a smile and like yeah. just she's perfect. And, uh, we know and, she's, and Parker because... Posey has always been perfect, and she is <laughs> yeah. she's the fucking she's a national treasure. Everything yeah. she's in, when she's on camera, you just have to watch because she's going to do something fascinating. I love Parker Posey. I've never seen her flip a bird, but I can't wait for the day she rises the falcon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, uh, yeah, nah. That's a fun scene. Great cast. Now, then outside oh, of that, man. then outside uh, of that, um, um, Dawson, right? Sasha J- uh, Dawson, uh, Sasha Jensen's character. Um, mono brow, uh, overalls. The guy I've referenced several times over. He's my other favorite character in this film. Oh, Don? Don? No, 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 oh, not Don. No, yeah, Don. Yeah, because he, he's the dude who's always fun. He's the one who 
first introduces the the note to Randall, but he yeah yeah, 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 he's yeah. the guy, but he's also when Hirschfeld gets whacked, you know, like, and that's the other thing. Like, if you want to rewatch the movie, think about how Hirschfeld's group is the same thing as you know uh, Pink's group, and you know they're all the same characters. But uh, hey, but what's fun is Dawn one times tells Mitch, hey, if she asks you for a ride, just say. Uh, no, but maybe I'll see it later. But Pink Lady goes, Hey, ask her a ride, it'll work. You know, <laughs> in the whole really, if you watch the movie, the whole thing is them taking through Mitch of growing up. Mitch is going to be the next king, yep. you know. Uh, when they're walking up the ladder and they're like, You see that blood? Oh, how many beers have you had? They're all telling the old same stories that they've all been told before. And so, Mitch, like it's a the whole movie is about Pink, but Mitch is also the same character who's the next, you know, Pink. And uh, so that's the that's the fun thing to me. It's the small town movie, and everything everybody tells Mitch is all about the small town. They're all just telling lies. Yeah. I got yeah. one other. The other worst scene, worst scene in the movie. The worst scene in the film. Um... Well, it's not that bad, but it's pretty bad. But so when Mitch goes to buy beer, right? So Mel, Mel goes, hey, man, go pick me up a sixer. And he goes by next door and he goes and tries to buy it. He walks up. And this is woman at the counter and she's obviously pregnant. She's smoking a cigarette. <laughs> she's buying alcohol. And the counter guy sells it to her and he goes, and make sure to eat all the calcium. I'll see you tomorrow night. <laughs> and, and then he asks Mitch, you know, and they start talking. He goes, mm-hmm. yeah, think about taking a job for the city. But the whole idea, he goes, I'll see you tomorrow night. Uh, yeah. Man. Anyways. I want to talk about Mitch's friends for a second. Yeah. I think is yes. an opportunity. Yeah, we should. We should. They're not good friends. Uh, they're not good friends. No. They're not good friends. No. Mitch is pitching his ass off on, which is weird because it's the last day of school and he's playing baseball in May uh, for Ooh. Lord knows what type of team. It's weird, but yeah, his friends fucking suck. Specifically, yeah. specifically his his uh, his best friend, Carl uh, Burnett. Carl fucking Burnett. Um, yeah, yeah which, he's shit. Which John unceremoniously has gifted me as somehow I am Carl Burnett, which I'm I'm fascinated by because I am so not Carl Burnett. But hey, whatever, whatever. Um, well, he's all with the blonde hair. Uh, that's blonde hair. <laughs> yeah. blonde hair. Yeah, you know. You can be Barbie, you know, uh, but I called you Carl Burnett. Uh, but no, um, but, well, one, Mitch, Mitch is a fun character, but he's all supposed to be, the the entire folk group of the group is uh, supposed to be Randall Pink's group. So Mitch is Pink. I, honestly, 
Carl's character is Wooderson. I think he's the guy who walks in. The, the worst scene is when Hirschfeld is making out with that chick. Hirschfeld yeah. <laughs> fucking cocklocks him. Lovers, loves yeah, like, yeah, just and, fucking cocklocks his buddy. Goes, hey, man, you gotta go. Oh, you yeah. That was me. It was all with the blonde hair. No, but like, Carl's a weasel. Andrew, maybe one day you'll realize I'm jealous that you have blonde hair, okay? I have no hair, you have blonde hair, okay? <laughs> well, you got some up top. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate that. But, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> here's a question for you What is the longest? drive that not to buy tickets but what is the longest drive you ever took to go see a band play <laughs> three hours three hours who'd you go and see uh toadies dallas fuck yeah toadies. yeah man um, dude one of texas's greatest bands of all time man i love toadies you uh, know yeah. that about me you know how much i love toadies yeah i don't think a lot of people know and i'm not too proud of it but yeah sure drove all the way up to boston kingdom if uh people know texas well but uh how about yourself how wait, how wait far? oh you don't like you don't like toadies now is that what you're saying no, I, lo- I love me some toadies good, man good, good. right yeah, answer. I, I just don't want to start singing it you know yeah yeah but um, I, I do want to start listening to it. Do you, hey, you ever hear Burden Brothers? Did you ever hear about how you know the band kind of went sideways? I don't know what you're talking about, but maybe that's a conversation for another time. All right, all right, all right. You're right. So what's no, I feel sh- teased. I feel teased. I feel teased. Well, no, Burden Brothers were who the Tories went to whenever the band broke up. It's kind of like a. When you know, audio slate, right? Like, audio slate isn't quite Pearl Jam, yeah. It's like, uh, but uh, Burnham Brothers were audio slate, but not quite audio hmm. slate, okay. Or shoot, anyways, no, no, I'm not familiar. Um, but to answer my question that uh, that you answered, then you threw back at me the longest drive. Uh, would have been Bonnaroo, but let me put in. We'll put in like high school. So when I was in high school, I drove uh, with some buddies. We drove. Uh, we crossed Alligator Alley, which basically just runs uh, uh, from east to west in Florida. It's this stretch of land in Florida, and we went to go see Marilyn Manson in 1995. And, and where's Bonnaroo again? Bonner is in Tennessee. So I was living in Atlanta. So I drove three hours, which isn't that big of a deal. But, you know, uh, I mean, three hours is nothing in Texas. Manson. But in high school, in high school, when I was a junior in high school, I, along with a couple buddies, we drove from Naples over to Miami. So it's like 90 minutes, maybe two hours. Uh, those that live in uh, Naples can uh, correct me, but um, yeah, we we went to go see Marilyn Manson. This was in the early early days of Marilyn Manson, long before Marilyn Manson was kind of a a name that people knew and shuddered at. Uh, Marilyn Manson, in my when we went to see him, was a name that like 
oh, this guy's edgy. This guy's weird, but he was kind of like underground into yeah. the perspective. Hell yeah. And um, before Rose McGowan and like, yeah, it's long like before. true kind of, you yeah, know, he's kind of creepy. That. It's um, like Edward Scissorhands shit coming out of that It was kind shit. of Edward Scissorhands <laughs> shit. Um, like to put in context, when we saw a Marilyn Manson concert, like his cover slash their cover of Sweet Dreams by the Eurythmics was brand new. It was brand what? fucking spanking. You saw that? Yeah. And what I remember is he came out onto stage like it was like this, you know, you had like the dry ice fog and it was all dark and yeah. craziness. I- and then Hellboy like, came what? out like on fucking stilts. Yeah, it was, it was just like insane. And um, I guess at, so at I fifteen think, years like, old, it was fucking wild. It was like going to watch like Alice Cooper, you know, like at, at or Kiss. You know, it's like a glam 15, concept. You were fifteen for this concert event. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I was six, no, I was sixteen. Or... I was sixteen. I was sixteen. My uh, correction. I was sixteen. Yeah, that was sick. Oh, made of these, who am I to disagree? Man, that was a good one. Woo. It was. And you, and you were 16 and you road tripped it. Yeah, uh, much to the dismay of at least one of my sisters. I don't know if both sisters were pissed off because my mother granted me a lot more freedom and flexibility than she granted my sisters. My sisters mm. were older. But the difference, mm-hmm. unfortunately, to my sisters is they just, you know, they they like they snuck out and they lied and they fought with my mother. And being me being the youngest, I just learned from the shit that they did. I'm like, oh well, well don't do that. Don't I do that. A, I do have a question. Only because you're bringing up a daughter. And it's so it's it's a risk reward of how much um restraint or flexibility do you you know, like, because uh, your grandmother, you know, had restraints for your yeah. your, your yeah. sister, and now uh, you have a daughter, and you're like, you know what? I gotta play cool. I gotta make sure she's the coolest person ever, and she's in control of every situation of all time. Yeah. And, and how do I play that out? Yeah, it, it's 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 a uh, it's gonna be tricky because of the fact that I want to be I want to be the cool dad. You know, I want her to um trust me but i also know that i'm very very protective of my daughter i love her i'm very protective when we go places i make sure that she's minding her p's and q's and making sure she's uh making she's doing everything that i want from her at this age but i also recognize right now this is the that those these are the years that you want to instill good values on the this I'm putting in the legwork now. So when she's a teenager, she knows all the shit. And mm. I'm like, I've given you all the tools you can uh, that all the tools you need. And so I'm going to have a lot more trust where I, I believe when she's a teenager, I'm going to have a, a better, closer relationship than I would otherwise. And the way sure. I, my 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 philosophy is and is treating my my daughter's relationship as like a, a sport. Right now we're we're doing the practice, and yeah. when she's a teenager, it's game time. Hosp- so practice I, for hospitality, right? Exactly, like good so, manners. Yeah, 
Uh, so I, I'm, I'm giving her everything now. I'm training her now. I'm yeah. drilling hard now. Yeah. So when she's older, she's like, oh, I already know. I already yeah. know. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And so if she fucks up, I can be like, y'all, Elliot, we went over this when you were four, five, yeah. six, seven years old. Yeah. What do you want me to do here? What do you want me to do? You already know. Yeah. You already know. No, uh, I think as a dad, you've already put in your work in early. It's an out at the end of the day. If anybody else looks at them, like, I don't know, other family members, she'll look over at you and you just roll your eyes going, ah. <laughs> um, oh, man. But, but I, I, I'm like so, <laughs> I'm, I'm so, I'm so proud to be, be a dad. I'm so proud of my daughter. She's fucking amazing. And, uh, and I know it's going to be a fun ride. It's going to be a fun ride. And then when we parallel with, with this movie, you know, she's going to have her own v- adventures. She's going to fuck up, you know, she's going to do her thing. She's going to go party oh. with her friends, but that's oh. part of but, life. And that's you know, what this movie me, is about. Can I, I, can I, you know, and um, if I want to take this opportunity would you rather Elliot grow up in the time of this film or in the time she's growing up in today? Whew. Um, man. Um, I think it would be a whole lot easier to grow up in the 70s than it would be <laughs> to grow up in the 2020s and 2030s. So you'd rather be a dad? <laughs> I'd rather be a, I would rather be a Pickford's father than than yeah. me i'll tell you that it's right. things aren't going to get easier and it's not because I, I i i fear like oh life has changed no man it's just a different world there's so many different mm. things now that we are dealing in the 21st century that they didn't have to deal with right when the the big when the mm. you know like bullying for example this movie is about hazing right hazing yeah. is a major hazing still exists the difference is how hazing incorporates you take you take uh teenage boys being paddled or you take teenage girls being catch up you know showered well now that'll all be done on a smartphone and it would be shared with everybody so any instant reaction you had would be shared and downloaded and passed along to all your friends everybody would know in an instant how you responded to what happened to you at that moment. You want to talk about paddling? Everybody would see you take every lick, you know? Yeah. And did you cry? Did you cry? Did you cry? Yeah. No, you cried. Well, Everybody's that's the bad part about being his character, you know, who's like, he just keeps coming back in for more licks. I do want to talk a bit about just hazing, you know, because I, I, as a person who grew up within, within the environment, I, I think there is a place for... You know, just hazing, you know, just letting people. Sure. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying go scream out with things, but uh, yeah, I I think that there is some point to camaraderie that, you know, like I hope younger individuals want to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, for better, for worse, hazing is real and it, it's a part of life and certainly a part of uh your your teenage years it, it's a thing it's not necessarily as extreme um 
on, well, let me rephrase that. It's certainly as extreme, but when it comes to within the confines of a, of a school, it's not maybe not necessarily as extreme because they certainly aren't allowing students to drill holes in their paddle or create paddles in, in a high school environment. We did. We did, though, back in the day. Yes, it does. It, that's yeah. not a, it's not, not uh, part not of now. Um, no. Uh, of the of the scenario now, but doesn't change the fact that different forms of hazing are ever present, right? So no. this it, movie, it, even though it takes place within a certain time, mm-hmm. it still does hold relevance. Um, well, well, in all the hazing, usually happens early in the film. Yes, there's, there's a couple little scenes with like Mitch and everybody, and then at the very end scene with Parker going air raid freshman. And uh but what I love about it is she walks out so drunk as shit. <laughs> she just oh, falls hammered. hammered. Yeah. Um that's one of my favorite things. Probably my second favorite thing is the realism of how drunk kids can get sometimes when they're 18 <laughs> or 20 years old. That might be one of the most realistic elements of this film is the fact that they they really tapped into more effectively than I think most films on really what is it like you you really get a sense that these kids are fucking just blaze and stone yeah. and just right. hammered like drunk right there yeah. you get some kind of like swallow burps you get Cole Hauser stand up like whoa I'm not ready you get Parker Posey you know you get the I want to know what a beer run is like I know what party at the Moon Tower is. I know what a keg party is. I want to know what a beer run or like part. Or, you know, when you go run. and buy beer. Yeah, well, well, no, I get that, but I feel like whenever we see like when they uh, take out her her shelter, like a beer run was like his whole trunk being insulated oh, right. with all the beer. Like I think a beer run is a little bit different because like there was party at Pickford's house and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, we're going to do a beer run. And then it was party at the Moon Tower. So a beer run was a little different than uh, Moon Tower and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. Final, final, final act. We've had a final act about an hour ago, but this will be the final act of this conversation. So. Uh, this movie obviously filmed in Austin. Are there any specific landmarks that this movie used that you like? Oh, I know that spot, or I know where they filmed this. North Lamar. North Lamar. North Lamar. Yeah. Uh, uh, whenever they pour the paint on O'Bannon, uh, it's right by a. It's an automotive shop, but it's right by the Yellow Rose. If uh, oh yeah, any, anybody yeah. wants to know. Anyways, yeah. so that scene is always fun. I always love how Benny goes, "Fuck all of you, fuck you," and then he does this little half jump, "Fuck you." <laughs> and is it Matthew McConaughey that says like his car? You know, he finally got a paint job. Oh man, I uh, are you talking about? O'Banion's car? Yeah, like, yes, yeah, I, think, yeah. I think it's Matthew McConaughey that references that, like, uh, O'Banion finally got uh, his uh, paint job because his car is, like, all, like, uh, like, matty looking. Dude, and then 
let me tell you, and this is Ben Affleck's character, and this is the fun thing, is like, so he hauls ass up there, parks it, after he failed, just to go whoop some ass, because he's the first time ever a senior failed just to be the worst ass dude. And then he gives no crap. Or, boy, first he tells uh, Benny, hey, we got to take your ride. I'm out of gas. <laughs> and the second thing he says to Mel is, you picking up trash? Which is the commitment letter that was um, Pink was supposed to sign. Yep. But then, like, every single thing he does and says, it's like, Benny, when he really shows, he goes, hey, if you come down here, you'll just get one lick from me, Chavez. But whenever he pulls over uh, the boys, and he pulls against the rail, he goes, all right, guys. <laughs> Because I'm taking it easy, I'm gonna give you five licks. You know, <laughs> um, he's the worst. He's, he's the, the troll. worst. He's, he's the, the worst. He's the fucking worst. I'm gonna put on record: it's the worst Ben Affleck uh, person I, I I've ever known him. <laughs> and and that's just it. And that's why he's so per. And that's why he's so. You're absolutely right. And that's also why he's the best. He's so despicable. Uh, Bones, dude, this has been a thorough conversation. Maybe not. We're going to record, publish this and we're going to be like, shit, we didn't cover this. But dude, I think we covered a lot, my friend. And this isn't the end. I know that we will definitely talk about this movie several times over. But I think for the sake of this conversation, I think we did an okay job. What do you think? Oh, we did good. I think we should compile these episodes and then just keep compiling them and have yeah. them as a Rough Rider Days. We'll call them something like that. Yeah. I don't know. All right, here yeah. is. Uh, I need a soundtrack. Um, what is your... All right, you're riding off into the... Well, in the case of this movie, the sunrise, if you will. What it's is... all the same... All the names change. I say the same. Phantom, Phantom away. It's fun, Joey. <laughs> All right. I, I don't think I can say it any better. I think that's. I think that's how we close this episode out, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> as always, thank you so much for checking out Sanford Cinema. Uh, we make these episodes for you. So if you are checking this out for the first time, please do me a favor. Definitely subscribe, tell your friends, leave a review. If you are a long-term guest and uh, a friend of the podcast, thank you for checking us out. Please, again, leave a review, tell your friends, uh, share this. And and certainly, let's give the appropriate appreciation and recognition to Mr. Johnny Bones. John, thank you once again for being on the show. You or one of my favorite people and having you on and, and chatting for, I have no idea. I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to worry about how long we've been chatting tonight. This has been fun. And every time we get together, it's always a good time. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, John, take us on out. Tell us um, how great things are and how you are and fuck it. I don't know. You close out however you want to close out. Well, thank you so much. And I love you and I love everybody. Uh, that's it. That's all I got. Uh, I wish I had something smoother to say, but you know, I don't. That's, you know, wish you I, know what? Wish, 
being full of love is everything that we love about you. So John, thank you, dude. I can't stress enough, man. Uh, I know we've had you on the show well over 25 times at this point, and that's fucking crazy. And thank you for helping this podcast uh, do its thing. Without without you, this podcast wouldn't be a thing. So um, our friendship is very important, and I love having you around. I love having these conversations. And this has been such a fun conversation to take a trip back on uh, 1990-slash-1970s Americana, a little love letter to Austin, Texas, but also a little love letter to just being a teenager. And shit, man, this has been so much fun. And um, thank you. And to the listeners, thank you. And we'll see you next time. Thank you, listeners. Man. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Dude. We'll see you next time on another episode of Stanford Cinema.